people make a decision and not understand what they're saying because when we become disciples, we become like him. And that's what he's asking us to do today. And so this morning, you can follow along with me on the live event. If you have a U version, if not, it's a free download. You can download to your smartphone, and then you can follow along with me on a live event. And then we also have a talk it over sheet in your bulletin this morning. As you came in, you can bring that out as well. Ushers, you can relax. What we're going to do is we're going to receive an offering at the end of service. You guys, there's so much going on. You just have to, you have to keep up with us on Facebook and read your bulletin this week because we want to just go right into the word. So I want to talk about what it takes to be a disciple. Can you say disciple? What it takes to be a disciple. And we're going to break that, that word down as an acrostic. The first thing in your fill-in here is it takes denying yourself. It takes dying to self, friends. Denying yourself is one of the hardest things for us to do. And yet, it's one of the first requirements to be a disciple and a true son or daughter of God is to be one who would deny themselves. This is red letters, friends. We need to pay attention. Mark 8, 40, or 34 and 38. Friends, when we hear the word, it should be the most exciting part of the day. The word needs to become alive in us. And his word is not boring. It should not put you to sleep. It should wake you up. And this is Jesus speaking, red letters. It says, then he called to the crowd, the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation? Sounds like us today, adulterous and sinful generation. It says the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. Friends, if we are not willing to deny ourselves, then we will end up denying Jesus. Do you hear that? That needs to wake us up. His word needs to wake us up today, friends. I'm not here for a massage. I'm here for a message. It's time for us to wake up. If we are not denying ourselves, we will deny Jesus. Look at Judas. He wasn't willing to deny himself. He wasn't willing to die to the flesh. He thought he had a better plan for the offerings of the church in the early days. He thought he had a better plan for the money bag. He thought he had a better plan for Jesus, that he needed to overthrow the Roman government. And when Jesus didn't line up with what he wanted Jesus to line up to. It sounds like a lot of people that go to church today. When the service doesn't go how we want it to go up, it's time for us to leave. When the, when the pastor doesn't give us a call, when we think he should give us a call, well, it's time to be offended. Come on, friends. Are you denying yourself? Because if not, friends, I'm not trying to be harsh or mean, but I want us to be, I want us to be aware that if we don't deny ourselves, we're going to end up denying him. Because the flesh, friends, is in, is in war against the things of the spirit. And we have to decide which one we want to live in us. Our agenda, our way, or his way. Because his way is not our way. The word of God says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher.
than our thoughts. His plans are better than our plans, friends. It says a man may uh, make plans in his own heart, but it's the Lord that determines his steps. Come on, friends, it's time to wake up. We've got to deny ourselves. The next thing it takes to be a disciple of Jesus, friends, is we need to be an imitator of Jesus. This is what God is calling. See, he didn't give some, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he didn't give some easy, come follow me and I will make you rich. Come follow me and I will take all your problems away. Come follow me and you will have a house on a hill with a, with a wife and kids and everything's going to be all good for you. Friends, he didn't say that. He said, come follow me and if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for me, you'll find it. He says, come follow me. And the highest goal for a disciple is to be like him, to be imitators. Luke 6:40 again, the word of God that should wake us up says this. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Come on, friends. We wonder why we come up here and we have goosebumps at the altar and we feel the Holy Spirit and then we leave these doors. And we don't change. I've seen it time and time and time again because we're trying to imitate everything else and still be a Christian, friends. You can only be an imitator of Christ if you want to be a disciple. He's not saying, okay, we can be both. No, he says this or that. Matter of fact, the book of Revelation says that, that he hates the lukewarm and he will spit it from his mouth. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Come on, all this fake in the middle stuff. I just can't get myself together. I'm just in church feeling lonely again and nobody loves me and wham, wham, wham. Grow up. Be a disciple. Be an imitator of Christ. See, the definition of a disciple is this. It literally means a learner. According to the vine's dictionary of the new testament this word denotes one who follows another's teaching but the disciple was not only a learner he was an adherent for this reason disciples were spoken of as imitators of their teachers friend imitators of their teachers a disciple of jesus must want to be like jesus as a child imitates his father or his mother that's how we're to imitate God. When I see my preschooler now, man, and he's going around and see when he or the youngest of four, you don't always just imitate father and mother. You got three others you can imitate, right? So when my, my, when my baby Justice comes around, Jordan could get that boy to do anything. I've tested it to see. I have. Jordan decides he wants to do a fun dance. Justice is going to try to do that dance, too. Jordan decides he's going to jump off the couch and do some kind of little cool move. Jordan's going to do it, too. I said, Jordan, I want to see you do something. I said, jump up and down and pat your head. He did it. Guess what? Justice did the same thing because Justice loves Jordan. He wants to imitate everything Jordan does, friends. Because our love for God, we want to imitate everything he does. And what did Jesus do? He loved people. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He said, come to me, follow me. I am the way, the truth of the life. He set people free. Friends, we are now given that message to set people free. We need to imitate Jesus. Amen? Again, if we don't have a strong desire to follow Jesus and become like him, then we may not be really saved. And we definitely are not disciples unless we want to be like him. 
Another thing it takes to be a disciple of Jesus is we need to be a student of God's word. And I don't know if y'all can't tell, but this is one of my biggest passions right here. To be a student of God's word. Friends, there's people who have been saved for 20 years and have not even read the Bible. And when they're going through hard times, they're wondering why they don't know what to do. Friends, you don't have the word of God living in you. I don't care how old you are. I challenged my, my son, who's almost 12, a couple years ago to read the entire New Testament through. And he did it in, in like three or four, maybe six months, the entire New Testament. It only takes 15 minutes a day to read the entire Bible through. 15 minutes a day. And friends, I'm not talking about just reading. I'm talking about asking God to, to direct you and to give you, a, give you insight into his word, to read it with the spirit of God guiding you and being your light, friends. That is going to change your life when you do that. The word of God, this is what Jesus says in John 8, 31. He says, to the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What does he say? If you hold to my teaching, what's the last words he gave? The Great Commission. He says, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Oftentimes, we just want to fill a church. We just want to have a crowd. But, friends, I'm tired of the crowd. I'm tired of just having converts. I want to see disciples. And that means you need to be taught. And you know what happens? Sometimes when we need to be taught, this is what the hard part is, friends. And please hear this in love. Oftentimes, we don't want to be taught because we think we already know. We're too prideful to be taught. We think we already know. Well, I've been going to this church. I don't care if you've been going to this church since Pastor Keith was here. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to the kingdom? We need to get rid of our pride, friends, and, and hear the word of the Lord for you today. Please, please wake up. Because people are perishing, and we need to be disciples today. We need to know his word. Matter of fact, if we don't know his word and we're not holding on to it, we're probably not his disciples. See, a disciple is one who remains in Jesus' words. This would imply being a diligent student of the teachings of Christ. It also requires one to be a doer of the word. Matthew 7, 21 and 27. Let's read this and wake up, friends, because this is Jesus's words. It says, true and false disciples, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Man, that's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Do you hear what he said here? This is Jesus talking, friends. Come on. He said, not everyone who says Jesus, Jesus. That means not everyone who comes to church and says hallelujah and falls on their face is really a disciple. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, did we not drive out demons? In your name, did we not perform many miracles? And then I would tell them plainly, say, say it plain. Some of y'all say, I want you to say it plain. And then when I do, you get mad and offended at me. Same happened to Jesus here. <laughs> I do. Thank you, Lord. That's his grace. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I might say it plain, but then I go home. I'm like, I can't believe I said that. And that man pleasing wants to hop up in me, and I have to cast it down because as much as I love you guys, I love him more. And, friends, that's where we all need to be. But this is Jesus saying it plain. He says, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What? He called people evildoers who did what? Cast out demons in his name and saw miracles in his name and prophesied in his name. Friends, we got to make sure we are right. We need to know the word. 
He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Because oftentimes we want to do the things of God, but we don't want the things of God to be in us. Does that make sense? We want to go out and we want to be the ones passing out flyers and telling people about Jesus and serving somewhere. And sometimes we're so busy with serving, we forget who we're even serving. Sometimes we're so busy doing all these Christian things that we're supposed to do, we forget to even have time with him and to be in his presence and to be in his word and to apply it to our own lives. But he says this, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, that man is a wise man who built his house on a rock. When the rain came down, come on. Jesus said it like it was plain. He said, you're going to get saved and guess what? The rain's going to come. The streams rose and the winds blew against and beat the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Friends, some of us do not have our foundation on the rock when the word has come. Why is it that we want to come into church 20 minutes late to catch just maybe a good part of worship, and then if it goes long, I'm going to leave before the preaching of the word of God? Why is it that Pastor Joshua has to get up here and say, please don't fall asleep when I read a passage? Because he's looking at people sleeping when the word of God is being preached. Guess what? When you're his disciple and you come to know him, you love and treasure that word. The parable says that the word is like a, like a seed that is outplanted in a, or like a coin that's lost in the field. And you're going to go and you're going to search for it because it's so important, friends. Come on, the word of God needs to be alive in our life today. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down. Guess what? The rain comes on the just and the unjust, friends. The rain is going to come, and it's coming, and it's here. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Friends, if you are truly a disciple, and and maybe you're not yet, but can you say, I want to be a disciple, not just a convert, not just a Christian, not just someone who goes to Vision Ministries once or twice a month. I want to be a disciple. Then you're going to be in your word. No one's going to have to call you up and say, did you read your word today? You're going to be in that word. When Pastor Josh and I first got together, man, this is what some of the things we would do in our days. We would take little index cards as before smartphones, and we would sit there and see who memorized the scripture the fastest and who knew, and we would quiz each other because we wanted to be in the word. And guess what? When we first got married and the streams came and, and things rose up and I was feeling all kinds of, what the heck did I just do? Guess what? It was the word of God that set me free. And so I would take the word and I would, I would write it out in my journals. I would post it on my mirror. I would post it on my fridge because we need the word of God. There's times I'm praying over my kids and I'm saying, God, give me a scripture. And I'll write that scripture and I'll put it right on their door. You're going you're to do great things for God. You're more than a conqueror. You're going to learn to tame that tongue in the name of Jesus. Come on, friends. It's the word that we need to put into us if we want to be his disciple. True disciples don't just go to church. They're plugged in, and they're plugged into God's word. What it takes to be a disciple, friends, it takes counting the cost. Luke 14, 25 and 31, let, let Jesus' words. This is not even just the word. This is Jesus' words. These are red letters, friends. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to him, he said, a large crowd did not impress Jesus, friends. He did not give a flying rip. 
that we had a large crowd of a thousand people at block party. He cares more about the one or two or three people that heard the word and God and said, I'm going to make this change my life. He cares more about that. And that's why we do it for the one friends, not for the thousand for the one, because at one time you were the one at one time I was the one. See, Jesus didn't care to, about large crowds. Matter of fact, when he found large crowds, he said this, hard things like this. He said, turning to him, the large crowd, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not, what? Hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Can someone say, woo? That's rough. And then he says, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on and says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone will see it and ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Friends, so many of us in urban ministry are that person who says, I'm going to build a tower and they don't count the cost. And then the world's looking back and ridiculing like, what? I don't want to be a Christian if that's what it is. Because Jesus cares more about those who finish the race than those who begin it. It's he who stands firm to the end will be saved, friends. It doesn't mean that you're never going to fall and mess up and make mistakes. I'm telling you what, I got saved at a young age, nine years old, and I bumped my head and stumbled so many times going through high school, led people to the Lord and still bumped my head and stumbled and fell and messed up and had to go back and repent and get things right. It wasn't until I was 19 years old that it finally took a hold of me that I said, no more going back. Does that mean I never make mistakes? Absolutely, I make mistakes. But it means I'm not going back to the old joy ever again. I'm not going back. Friends, that's how we have to do. We have to get to a place where we count the cost and say, you know what, is it worth it? Is it worth it to serve Jesus? Sometimes we need to ask, is it worth it? Because guess what, it's not gonna be easy. The rains are gonna come. The streams are gonna rise. You're gonna go through hard times. This, the, the world is gonna try to shake your foundation, friends. Is it worth it? Because he said in the Great Commission to, to obey and hold on to my teachings. And he said, and know this, if you do, then I will be with you to the end of the world. Friends, it's worth it to me to know that Jesus is with me. Is it worth it to you? Then we need to count the cost. There's things we have to give up. If he's saying in comparison, if you read the Greek, what it really means in comparison to our love for God, all other love should look like hate. It doesn't mean as Christians... We're supposed to hate our own parents and our wife and our husband. Duh, that doesn't mean that. But in comparison to my love for God, my great, and I love and admire this man of God that's my husband, but in comparison to my love of God, my love to Pastor Josh almost could look like hate compared to how much I love him. That's how we need to love God, friends. To the person on this world that you love and treasure most, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your kids, whoever you love and treasure the most, and you say, I love this person. I feel like I can't live without them, friends. That's how our love for God should be, greater than that, greater than that. That When we wake up in the morning, we should be thinking, how can I please God today? How can I get away and spend just a little bit of time? When we go to bed at night, we should be examining our hearts and saying, God, have I made the most of every opportunity that you gave me? Have I shared your love with others? Am I really trying to live this? Or just one little thing went wrong and then boom, right back in the flesh. Friends, if you can't shake some things free, maybe you need to go through some deliverance. 
Maybe you need to have some fasting and some prayer. Because he's calling us to be disciples. And we need to count the cost and see, is he worth it? Because he's worth it, friends. He's worth it. When we count the cost, that means anything in our life that we place first above him needs to go. It needs to go. If that's sexual immorality, it needs to go. Bye-bye. See ya. Sent ya. If it's lying and cheating and gossiping, it needs to go. See ya. If it's putting any other person above God, I'm sorry, man. I got to back away and get this in right perspective. Every idol that's up against him needs to go. That's counting the cost. What it takes to be a disciple is it takes intimacy, friends. Number five, it takes intimacy. See, the first part of the word intimacy is in. Christ wants us to be in him. Say in. Two letters. In. Christ wants us to be in him. See, he says this in John 15, 1 through 8. And friends, this is some good stuff right here. Some of my favorite passages right here. It says, I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch that does doesn't bear grapes and every branch that is grape bearing he prunes back so it'll bear even more fruit so guess what if you're not bearing fruit you're gonna get cut guess what if you're bearing fruit you're still gonna get cut because he wants more says you are already pruned back by my message i have spoken live in me make your home in me just as i do in you in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself but only by being joined in the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Someone needs to wake up and get that this morning because sometimes we're trying to do everything in our own. We're trying to build everything on our own. See, the Bible also says it like this, that if the laborers labor in vain, if the Lord is not the builder of the house. We can't produce fruit if it's just us trying to figure it out. These self-help books and Jesus, the self-help books are like, Come on, friends. It needs to be Jesus. That's our help. I'm not saying that sometimes we don't need to get uh, more understanding and teaching on a certain area that we struggle with, because we do. I'm one who likes to be, uh, read things. But sometimes, friends, we're trying to figure out every other way when the way is just him. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined in me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. When you are joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, friends, the harvest sure to be abundant. It says separate it. You can't produce a thing. Well, anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up to be thrown in a bonfire. Hmm. Anytime he's talking like that, that's not good, friends. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask, will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, you, when you mature as my what? Disciples, friends. Who wants to be a disciple? Come on. We need to be more than just converts. We need to be more than just churchgoers. We need to be more. We need to be disciples. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Are you in him? Are you praying? Do you take time to set up time to be with him? Friends, if you, don't, if you don't plan 
then you, if you don't plan time to be with him, then most likely you're going to f- not spend it with him. I encourage people, make a time. If it's the first, t- first part of your morning, if you've got to wake up even earlier to go to work because you know you need that at least 15, 20 minutes with Jesus before you go, man, make the plan to do it. If it's before you go to bed, if, it's, if you can get away at noon, but every day are you spending time with him? Are you taking opportunities to pray? The new thing I've been doing a lot is prayer walking. I mean, it's like so old, it's new again to me, you know? And I, I mean, in my backyard. Matter of fact, Pastor Joshua went and turned all the lights off in the house and locked me out yesterday. He didn't realize I was in the backyard prayer walking. I saw the porch light go off. I said, uh-oh, let me go in there and start pounding on the door, <laughs> right? But listen, we need, to be, we need to be praying and seeking him because he desires intimacy with us. Tired of all the fluff, friends. It's time to be disciples, I said I had a message for y'all, not no massage, okay? What does it take for, to be a disciple of Jesus? It takes producing good fruit. You can't produce good fruit if you're not intimate, but you have to produce good fruit. John 15, 8 says, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my, what? Disciples. Again, Jesus speaking. A disciple is one who bears much fruit. Notice the word, much. Can you say much? Jesus is not talking about an occasional good deed. Well, Jesus, you remember two years ago when I helped an old lady across the street. Come on, friends. Jesus isn't talking about an occasional good f- deed. He's talking about a lifestyle here, friends, that is, that is prompt by God to glorify God. Matter of fact, God says that let your good deeds be seen by all so that when they look at them, they will glorify the Father. Now, if your good deeds are to be seen by all and you're not taking that glory and giving it right back to the Father, then you're doing it for wrong attentions. You're trying to make a name for yourself. But when you do something and you're trying to bring glory to God by doing a good deed, it says let it be known to all, but make sure you give it back to him. I don't know. I know I don't make good sound effects like Pastor Josh, but y'all felt that, huh? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Give it, everyone just go like this. Give it to him. Give it to him. Fruit. This is so important that failure to bear much fruit will result in being severed from Christ. Y'all know what that means? Being severed? That means being cut off, friends. So if I'm coming in a way that's like on today, it's because I don't want to see anyone cut off from him because we're not producing fruit. Friends, it's time. It's time to get rid of our excuses. It's time to get rid of our stinking thinking, our bad attitudes, and everything that we try to blame. And it's time to say, come on. It's time to bear fruit for him. If you're not bearing fruit, friends, you're probably not a disciple of Christ. If people can't look at you and tell you're a Christian or that something's changed and maybe you're new at this, and that's good, ooh, Y'all sometimes got the most fire, the new ones. Maybe you're new at this, but somebody, if you're already, if it's for real and it's taking hold of you and you're like, I'm about to be a disciple, people around you are already going to take notice. When it happened to me, they said, oh, you've done went overboard. You're taking this Jesus thing a little too far. far." Then they said, it's probably just a phase. Right? Almost two decades later, it's not a phase, friends. It's a lifestyle change. That's what it needs to be for us. We need to produce fruit. Produce fruit. Another thing it takes 
friends, to be a disciple of Jesus is we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But this, by this, everyone will know that you are my, what? My disciples if you love one another. A disciple means we need to love our brothers and sisters as Jesus has loved us. The scripture says, how can you say that you love God who you cannot see and yet you're sitting here saying you hate your brother who you can see. I'm letting that sink in for a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just get on my nerves. Pastor, I just can't work with them. But you love God who you can't see. But you can't be around this brother or sister in Christ because they just irk your last nerve. Hmm. You love God who you can't see, and you believe that God has forgiven you of all your sins, but you can't have grace and compassion for somebody else when they're still on the journey and struggling. See, because Jesus says, he who has been forgiven much loves much, friends. But sometimes we get to a place with Christ, and we forgot all we've been forgiven for, for or still being forgiven for, you know, we might, have, we, we might get mad when someone has an attitude with us, but all you give your husband at home is an attitude. And he's supposed to take it like a man. You might get mad when someone didn't greet you or call you when you was hurting and you were sick, but when you heard that someone else was hurting and sick, you was just too busy and didn't have time. And they need to rely on Jesus and not just care what you are doing for them. Come on, friends, some of us, listen here, what bothers me so much, and I'm going to just get off on this for just a second, okay? Hi, Jesse, can I, you liking this, you feeling this? I'm going to get off for just a second, because it bothers me when I see people in the church call me up and get upset at one of their brothers and sisters about something, I don't even want to hear it. First, you need to go to the Lord and pray about it, slow down, take a breath, and then go to them. Just because I'm a pastor, no. And just because my husband's a pastor, no. We don't want to hear all the gossip. Go to the Lord first. Okay? And it, what really bothers me is that we could be so harsh to one another but want everyone to come to us with grace. We want to judge everybody else by their actions, but we want someone to judge us by our, our intentions. Well, that's not what I meant. That's not, that's not how I, I per, you know, was trying to perceive things. No, listen, it doesn't matter what you... Come on, friends. Can we give some grace? I mean, read, read the epistles. Paul always ended it with grace and peace I give to you. Jesus said, peace I give you, not as the world does, but we want to give worldly peace to one another. Well, I'll be at peace with you as long as you're at peace with me. And I'll treat you right as long as you treat me right. Jesus said, even the tax collectors and sinners love those who only love them, friends. We've got to forgive. We've got to let go of some bitterness. Some of us are 40 years old and here so bitter against our parents. We need to let it go. We need to forgive. We need to love and move on because guess what? Some of you guys are 40 years old, but you have the maturity, emotional maturity of a 16-year-old boy or 16-year-old girl because what happens is when we don't forgive, it stunts our emotional maturity, and we wonder why we can't keep a job. We wonder why we can't keep a relationship. We wonder why everything's going wrong because guess what? You're looking out there to fix you instead of looking up here to fix you. Instead of looking to the one, the only one who can make you right. I know only a couple of y'all got that. 
I know the front row got it, but they already got it, friends. I need the rest of y'all to get this because we need to love one another. We need to love as Jesus has loved. Amen. And let me say this. If we really love one another, then we're going to make an effort to get to know one another. Ooh. If we really love one another, we're going to make an effort to get to know one another. You know, we got opportunities like, you know, come on a Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights are a great night to not only get into the word, and we go over the word on Wednesday night verse by verse, friends. Come on a Wednesday night. Sign up for a circle of eight. Sign up for our casual dinner, com- dinner party that you can meet one another and get to know one another because, friends, I'm telling you what, if I didn't have Christian friends, it would be a lot harder to serve Jesus. The Bible even says it, you're stronger when there's two together. Why, why did God even make Eve? Because Eve was in Adam in the beginning for Adam and Eve to be stronger together. That's why God brings the two and makes them one. Friends, we need to have Christian friends. When one falls, the other one can pick them up. You know, the Bible says that an enemy multiplies kisses, but a wounds from a friend can be trusted. So if you're feeling a little wounded today, I hope you know I'm your friend, man. <laughs> Don't stay mad, okay? <laughs> and finally, I'm going to tell you this, and this is going to wrap it all up. Say, what does it take to be a disciple? Everything. Hold up. I'm going to let Pastor Earl say how. how see, because if you all listen to me on the radio this Friday, if not, you can go back and get a good laugh. I think I missed my calling. I should have been a Christian comedian, but go ahead. You can look that up. But you guys can say because I don't know how to say everything like Pastor Earl, but I'm going to let him say it because you're going to feel it when he says it. Everything. Y'all hear that? Everything. I still can't do it. <laughs> he wants it all. Luke 14, 31 and 33. Again, Jesus' word, so powerful. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able to win with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him or with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up what? Everything you have cannot be my disciples. Do you want to be his disciple? It's easy. He's asking you to give up everything. (laughs) Right? It's not easy because it takes everything. It takes everything, friends. Everything. You know, I was with uh, my mentor and a few of our ladies that host the Circle of Eight because I try to pour into them too. And so um, the ladies who host the Circle of Eight and I went to my mentor's house, and she was beginning to tell us she, she does a lot of missions to Jamaica. And she was saying that the Jamaican church believes, all of them, no matter what denomination they are, that you're saved by grace. But they behave in a way that, yes, you're saved by grace. But if you don't get baptized and plugged in, you're not really saved. <laughs> plugged into the church. And I said, you know what? You know what? I wish we behaved a little bit more like that in the American church. Yes, we are saved by grace, friends. But grace is 
gives us the power to say no to ungodliness. Not this cheap grace that we talk about in the American church like, oh, I'm saved so I can go home and smoke my weed still and have my 40 out and sleep with whatever whatever woman I want to sleep with or I can go back to my business and I can be all upset at my boss and talk bad about the one who's given me the provision to take care of my family or I'm going to be saved and still cheat on my taxes and I can be, because I'm all saved by grace and it's okay for me to lie about where I live so I can get some extra food stamps and it's okay to do this and do that even though I know it's wrong just so that I can have a little bit more money in my pocket because I'm saved by grace and God doesn't really care about all that. No, friends, he cares about everything. And true grace is the grace that makes us say no to ungodliness. And true grace is the grace that says, I, you know what, it's not, it's not something, he doesn't ask us to do something that he's not willing to help us through, friends. Don't be discouraged today and say, I can't do it. That's right. You can't do it. But Christ in you, you can do it. His, his word says, I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you're trying to do this walk by yourself, you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. But if you give it all and give everything to him, friends, you will see great things. You will do mighty exploits for the kingdom. Friends, we're getting ready to go to two services. And I'm telling you what, I'm not asking for just a little bit, okay? I'm not asking for everything. I'm not Jesus, okay? But I'm asking for you to step up. And you know what? And I saw, none of y'all had the audacity to say it to my face. But I saw some people have it on their face, the face like, oh, man. I'm just really getting comfortable. I'm getting to know everybody here. It's just so comfortable in my one service. And, you know, it's kind of almost like an hour service anyway because I show up an hour late every Sunday, you know, and, or I leave right after worship. Listen, y'all, come on. It's time to give a little bit more. Why? So that others can come to know him. So we make room. We should, we should have a joy. My, my mentor was talking about, uh, you know, the Jamaican church and how, how they're about it. And then she was talking about, um, I think it was her mother who, who is older now and can't really do as much. And she said the pastor called her mother up last minute and said, you know what? I need you to serve in the nursery like the last minute. She said, thank you so much for calling me. <laughs> I heard Beth Moore preach and she said, I had the privilege of serving in the nursery past Sunday. Now, this is a nationally known speaker who goes and teaches women all over the world. And she said, I have the privilege of serving in the nursery. And friends, we come up and we say, I got to miss service because I got to be in nursery today or I got to be in kids' church today. And we wonder why we're not seeing revival hit our church because we're not giving everything. Or we come in and and we get offended at somebody or something that somebody says or somebody not speaking to us and we're not giving everything, friends, because we're too concerned with ourselves. Judging others and not wanting to be judged ourselves. Come on, friends. It's time to give everything. I'm going to put it simply. This whole message is summed up for this. We must forsake all to follow Christ. We cannot waver between our allegiances to Christ and family or friends or even government friends. We have to forsake all to follow him. He's calling us to live at peace as far as it depends on us with all people, friends. But we have to obey God first and foremost. We have to give him everything he wants to be first. Are you hearing me today? How many of you guys are saying, you know what? I want more. I want to be a disciple. Listen, you need to be taught. You need to be taught. So the next time, next week, when Pastor Josh is bringing the word, man, please don't make him say, don't fall asleep while I read the word. Can we please say, yes, the word of God is about to be preached. 
and get excited. And guess what? Please do not be an anorexic Christian and wait to eat the word of God until next Sunday. Can you promise me that you will at least, and I'm going to set the bar a lot lower than Jesus right here. Will you promise me that you will at least three times this week on your own initiative get into the word? At least three times. I got my amen man in the back saying, I'm going to do it. The rest of y'all are like, nope, I'm starving to next week. Come on. Melissa, she's going to do it. Who else? Who's going to get in that word? All right, stand on your feet with me, guys. Thank you. God is good. He's worthy to be praised. Is he worthy?